On the show today, MasterCard announces a phase-out of the magnetic stripe, T-Mobile reveals a breach affecting over 47 million customers, three senators introduce a bill to restrict the power of Apple and Google's app stores, our Scam of the Day discusses how you can be affected by fake advertisements. And today's tip gives you signs that your devices might be infected with apps that stalk you. All of that and more is coming up on the August 23rd, 2021 edition of Cybersecurity Made Personal. Helping you stay safe in a connected world. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Hello and welcome to the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast, the safest podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Jim Herman. I have five stories on the news beat for you today. We begin with news about your credit cards. As MasterCard announced last week that it would begin phasing out a 60-year-old invention that paved the way for the cards that we know today, the magnetic stripe. With the rise of alternative options on cards, such as chips and contactless payments, MasterCard no longer sees the need to continue requiring magnetic stripes on cards. Beginning in 2024, new cards will no longer be required to have a magnetic stripe, and the stripe will be fully phased out in 2033. The long delay between the two dates is intended to give merchants additional time to upgrade their equipment to accept the newer cards. So at almost 60 years old, the magnetic stripe has lived a good life, but it's time for it to retire and let the younger guys on the scene take over. In news of the latest large data breach, America's third largest cellular carrier, T-Mobile, revealed that information on an estimated 48 million current or former customers was compromised. About 40 million of those affected had applied for credit with a T-Mobile postpaid plan. The data compromised on these customers includes names, dates of birth, driver's license or state ID information, and social security numbers. T-Mobile said at the current time it does not believe that phone numbers or payment information were compromised. The breach was discovered after members of an underground forum claimed to have information on 30 million T-Mobile customers available for sale with an asking price of $270,000 in Bitcoin. Meanwhile, in Washington, two U.S. senators have asked the Federal Trade Commission to investigate Tesla over its claims that its vehicles were self-driving. Senators Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut and Edward Markey of Massachusetts wrote in a letter that they believe Tesla has intentionally overstated the capabilities of its autopilot feature, putting Tesla owners and the rest of the public at risk. Specifically, they expressed concern that its package for features like automatic parking 
and changing lanes were marketed as full self-driving. They said this could lead people to believe the cars could drive themselves without any driver intervention. The letter followed the revelation that the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration was also investigating Tesla over the same claims. According to the NHTSA, there have been over 30 crashes in the last five years where the agency suspects driver assistance features were in use. In another move from Washington, a bipartisan group of senators have introduced the Open App Markets Act, which has the potential to fundamentally change how app stores operate. One of the most significant provisions of the bill would stop Apple and Google from requiring developers to use their respective app store's payment system. Many developers have expressed frustration that both Apple and Google take 30% of payments as a fee for operating the store, while simultaneously making it more and more challenging for developers to use other options. Another provision of this act would give consumers the right to download and install any app on a device, including alternative app stores. This provision is aimed primarily at Apple, since Android users have always had this ability by turning off one setting. While Apple and Google are almost certain to express public opposition to this legislation for security reasons, it's almost certain that the possible financial impact of this legislation will also be a major reason for their opposition. And finally, in a good use of technology, cybersecurity CEO Dan Guido recently shared on Twitter how he was able to use Apple's AirTags to locate his stolen electric scooter. According to Guido's 22-tweet thread, he had hidden two Apple AirTags inside the scooter. He set out to find the scooter the day after it was stolen, but he had to stop his search later that day in order to travel to a conference. He resumed his search when he returned, and to his surprise, the AirTags were still active and led him to a store that sold used electric scooters. Guido's thread ended with some tips on how to do this for yourself, including stating that you should always involve the police before you confront anyone about your stolen items. If you're interested in reading the entire thread, a link will be available in the show notes at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash episode 72. And now we move on to the scam of the day. Today's scam is the fake advertisement scam. It used to be pretty easy to rise to the top of Google search results, even if your content wasn't actually related to the search terms at all. Add a whole bunch of invisible text at the end of your site with a number of common search terms, and it was very possible your site could rank towards the top of search results. Fortunately, Google and other search engines have gotten much better at recognizing legitimate pages. But that has led scammers to a new form of attack, which is fake advertising. These ads can do a number of different things, from convincing you to download malicious software 
all the way to getting you to make a purchase from a fake site. Unfortunately, companies that sell online advertising are often more interested in making money than in protecting consumers. While they may claim to review ads, it has been shown that many companies that make that promise don't do a very good job at detecting these fake companies. In fact, one media agency even made a YouTube video showing how they created a completely fake company and then purchased ads through Google and Facebook to promote it. The ads were fully approved and ran online until they were pulled. So while ads can be a good way for legitimate companies to reach out to consumers, they can also be exploited to push fake products or scams. That's one reason why I will never put automated ads for other products on this show or on the Cybersecurity Made Personal website. Even if the advertising agency promised to not collect data on my listeners, I don't want any chance that this show could be affiliated with anything questionable or scammy. If you find a scam you think we'd like to talk about on the show, you can send it to us at scam at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com. And now it's time for our cybersecurity pop quiz. Each week, we ask you a question in the field of online security or privacy, and it's your job to figure out the right answer. Today's question is a true or false question. The question is, a password strength checker says that it will take one month to crack my password, and I don't have anything worth trying to crack my password for one month. So my password is completely safe. True? or false? The correct answer will be revealed in next week's episode. But if you want to know it right away, you can go to cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash popquiz to submit your guess and find out if you're right. Plus, if you submit your guess on the website, regardless of whether you're right or wrong, you'll be entered to win a $25 Amazon gift card when we conclude Season 3 next month. But your guests must be submitted before the next episode airs next Monday, August 30th. For official rules, visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash quiz rules. Last week's question was, which of these are ways that you can keep your email account safe? A. Use only one email account for everything. B. Use a strong password and set up two-factor authentication. C. Sign into your account only from your own devices. D. Turn off automatic loading of content. Or E. Send whatever you want because email is completely secure. The correct answers are B, C, and D. A strong password combined with two-factor authentication is important for something as sensitive as email. That helps make sure that your account can't be accessed by anyone else. Signing into your account on public devices or even shared devices could expose your login details 
through the use of keylogging or other software. And turning off the automatic loading of content helps stop spammers from finding out that your email address is valid. Having a small image that loads from another source is a common way for them to monitor whether or not you've opened an email. Using one account for everything isn't horrible, but it's not the best idea. It's much better to use two or three email accounts in order to keep things separate. For example, you could use one email account for your personal communication with others, one for newsletters and other things that you read regularly, and then a third account for purchases that you make. That way, if your email address gets sold and you start receiving marketing emails or spam, it won't be clogging up your primary email account. And always remember, email was not designed as a secure medium. While steps have been made over the years to improve its security, there are some things you should not send through email. Never, never, never send your credit card number through your email. I have seen that happen. Now, sending the last four digits is fine, but don't send the whole card number. And other things like medical information should also be sent through a more secure medium. Keep sensitive things in a place where it can be encrypted, not where it can be scanned or compromised. Technology and social media have led to a rise in cyberstalking, tracking someone's online activity and even harassing them both online and offline. But even worse, there are a number of apps that cyberstalkers can use to make this process easier. We'll discuss how to recognize signs that your phone, tablet, or computer is being used to spy on you when we come back from this short break. Hi, it's Jim. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love it if you could follow us in your favorite podcast player. That will ensure you never miss an episode. And while you're there, we'd also appreciate it if you could rate the show and give us a review. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are. And finally, the best review that someone can give us is to tell their friends about the show. Invite them to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or send them to our website, cybersecuritymadepersonal.com, where they can find links to the show in all the major podcast players. Thanks for your support, and now back to the show. Stalking is a term that is thrown around somewhat flippantly in the world of social media. In common use, it usually refers to someone who looks through other people's posts without posting themselves. It can also refer to someone who goes back through a person's posts, often discovered when a person accidentally likes or comments on a post that is now several years old. But true cyberstalking is a much darker activity, often involving gaining intimate knowledge of a person's activity for the purpose of harassment. While there are many ways that can happen, it can be aided by a number of apps that are designed specifically 
to monitor someone without their knowledge. Some of these tools are intended for legitimate purposes, such as monitoring what employees are doing on work devices to ensure they're not used inappropriately. These legitimate tools are taking steps to ensure that users are made aware of their presence. That distinguishes them from illegitimate or even illegal tools designed to hide without the knowledge of the device's owner. The problem of cyberstalking is getting worse. In one study, close to half of all stalking cases reported to the police involved at least some cyber element. And that is just the count of cases that were actually reported. Some people may not feel that someone's cyberstalking has risen to the level of criminal activity yet, especially when the stalker doesn't show up in person at all. But any stalking, whether online, in person, or both, can lead to a dangerous situation. So if you're concerned that you could be the victim of cyberstalking, what can you do to find out? Let's take a look at a few steps you can take. First, we'll begin with a few general things that you can check on any device. One way to catch something that might be spying on you is to look through your list of installed apps. If you see one that you don't recognize, it could be a problem app, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it is. Some apps come installed on your device and are important for it to operate properly. Make sure you don't uninstall those. However, do be aware that some programs will make an attempt to hide themselves so that nothing appears on the list. Others may appear on the list, but disguise their true intention to make it look like they are something else. One example of that are apps that secretly hide photos, but pretend to be something useful like a calculator instead. If you see an app on the list that you don't recognize or remember installing, investigate what that app is. Often, typing it into a search engine will tell you whether it's a legitimate program or a program that's hiding something else. A program that's designed to stalk you is not going to announce its intentions in the list. A second thing you can look for is a sudden decrease in your battery life or increase in heat. Obviously, your battery life is going to decrease over time, and your computer will gradually run warmer, especially if you don't clean it out regularly. However, if you notice a sudden change in the battery or heat, it could be a sign that something is running in the background. Stalking software isn't the only form of software that could be running. It could be some other form of malware, such as a crypto miner. However, any sudden change in your computer could indicate that problematic software is running, whether it's the battery running out quicker, the computer running much slower, or the computer producing more heat. If your device monitors battery usage by apps, keeping an eye on this setting might also give you some clues about a suspicious app. If you see an app that you rarely or never use that's causing massive battery drain, then it's very possible that app is doing something in the background. Once again, it may not be spying on you, 
but it's probably doing something that you don't know about. On an iOS device, secretly installing an app is almost impossible as long as the phone hasn't been jailbroken. Apple has locked down its mobile operating system to make it difficult for an app to get data from other apps, especially without your permission. Plus, the App Store does not allow any apps that claim to be stalkerware or have any of those functions. And as an added benefit, jailbreaking an iPhone has gotten much more difficult over time. In fact, it would be very difficult for someone to be able to jailbreak your iPhone without your knowledge, just for the purpose of installing a tracking app. But if you discover your phone has been jailbroken and you're concerned what might have been done, a factory reset should help take care of your issue. The more open ecosystem of Android makes it easier for these types of apps to get installed on Android devices. Like Apple's App Store, the Google Play Store doesn't permit these types of apps. But unlike iOS, you don't have to resort to all kinds of technological tricks in order to load an app without the Play Store. Turn off one setting and someone can load an app directly onto the phone or install an app from a third-party app store. If you're concerned that there may be a stalking app on your phone, keep an eye on your data usage. The app is going to have to constantly report data back to the stalker, either directly or through a server. Even if you have an unlimited data plan, you should still keep an eye on your data use numbers. Obviously, data use is going to depend on a number of factors, such as how much time you've spent away from home. But a sudden unexplained spike in data use could indicate the presence of something that's stalking you. Trouble shutting off your phone could also be a sign that something's going on in the background. Some apps may try to make sure your phone stays on constantly for surveillance. If you notice a sudden change in your ability to shut off or restart your phone, it could be a reason to check your phone more thoroughly. Fortunately, stalking apps have been in the public eye, and both Google and Apple have taken steps to eliminate them or make sure they can't operate in secret. Apple's latest updates that inform you when an app is using certain resources, such as the camera or microphone, will also help you identify stalking apps that are running in the background. If you're concerned about stalking apps on a desktop or laptop computer, one place to check is your list of startup items. This is the list of items that will start every time your computer starts up. Anything that's going to spy on you constantly is going to have to run automatically every time you restart your computer. To check your startup items, go to the Startup tab on Task Manager in Windows or Login Items under the Users and Groups page of System Preferences on a Mac. You may also want to look at your app permissions list. On a Mac, you'll want to look specifically at input monitoring and full disk access permissions. Most spying apps will request these permissions. On a Windows machine, the permissions aren't broken out in the same way, 
but you'll want to look at permissions for items like location settings and microphone access. Spying apps will require access to these items. If you're concerned about the possibility of spying, you can use security software to scan your devices. There are a number of tools available for any device, whether Android, iOS, Windows, or Mac, that can alert you to suspicious or malicious apps on your devices. If you want to see my recommendations for this software, you can visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com recommendations. And as one final note, if you do find stalking software on any of your devices and you believe you need to go to the police, don't remove it until the police give you the okay. It may even be wise to just buy a different device so that you can preserve the existing device for evidence. In many cases, the use of this software without your knowledge is illegal and could be reported as a crime. And if you believe your safety may be in danger from stalking, then you absolutely need to go to the police. So that's it for today. Thank you for listening, and come back again for a special episode this coming Thursday, where we will discuss 10 password myths that you might believe. And we'll be back again next Monday as well, discussing how to protect your privacy on Google Maps or any other map service. So until next time, stay safe. Thanks again for joining us for the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast. Check out the show notes page linked to the description for links to the articles mentioned, more information about today's tip, and a transcription of this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would consider visiting our welcome page at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash welcome. There, you can find more information about the show and links to some of our most popular episodes. Cybersecurity Made Personal is provided for educational purposes only. Don't take any action on your computer unless you fully understand what you are doing and the possible consequences. Visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash disclaimer for more information. Cybersecurity Made Personal is a production of Personal Cybersecurity, LLC. I'm Jim Herman. Thanks for listening and stay safe.